Hello and welcome to French Football Weekly, the 2021 first edition. It was awfully formal, wasn't it? My name is Chris, I am your host and uh, off the bat I uh, wish you all a very happy, more importantly healthy new year. Let's face it, it couldn't have got much worse than last year, could it? So it's all, it's all up slash downhill from here, whichever pint half full, pint half uh, empty, whichever way you look at it. So let's uh, let's bring on my cast of heroic crew members, Jez and Phil. Happy New Year to you both. Hello. Bon année. Hi, Happy New Year. Thanking you. Uh, Jez, I've very much enjoyed seeing your cat throughout uh, Christmas and, and indeed the landmark that you didn't even know was around the corner from you yesterday. That also made me smile. So uh, <laughs> thanks for keeping me amused. Um, right, so um, we're both uh, we're all we're all sort of well, I trust. So we've got um, plenty to discuss. I suppose the, uh, the the big thing we need to get into straight away is uh, managerial news. Uh, you probably will be aware by the time of listening to this that there have been two rather high profile, uh, well, one high profile appointment and, uh, and and well, two high profile appointments. Sorry, and one high profile dismissal. As much as I really, really want to start at Nantes, and probably the horoscopes would suggest I do, I'm not going to. I'm going to start in Paris. Um, Jez, Thomas Tuchel has gone, and uh, he has been replaced by Maurizio Pochettino. Uh, I remember we had this conversation a little while ago. Your suspicion was that they wouldn't go down that, that route, but that is where they've gone. Do you think it's a good appointment, first of all, before we get into what's happened to Tuchel? Is, is that a good move for PSG where they are at the moment? Um, y- yes. I mean, yes, potentially. I think it's, on paper, I think it's absolutely the right move. The only issue is all the same caveats that we go through again and again. You know, when, when Emery was appointed, we said, that's the right move and he's got the calibre and he's got the European pedigree and he's got the authority. Um, but he wasn't allowed to show it. And then Tuchel came in and said, OK, it didn't work out with Emery, but it doesn't matter because, um, you know, what Tuchel has achieved and his his um, ability to bring the best out of, out of players and, and whether he's got the funds or not, he's going to have that kind of authority. He's going to take PSG to the next level and he wasn't allowed to do it. So, I mean, all the same again, you know, even today there's, there's news that he's brought six, six of... PSG's younger players into into training so you know that's a positive start um he's got the <clears throat> I know that he doesn't have the trophies but he has the authority he has the um certainly the sort of backing or the um kind of favorability of the fans because of his PSG history everything is in place to say that he is the right man for the job um but the big question is, is he going to be allowed a free reign? Is he going to be allowed to do what he wants? Is Art Mbappe and Neymar, for example, going to um, sort of sign in to his, um, you know, high intensity training and pressing from the front game plan? Is he going to be allowed to play the young kids that he may want to bring through? Um, Is he going to sort of through no fault of his own, gets stuck in the middle of some kind of power play between um, Al-Khalafi and, and Leonardo and the sporting director and whoever, you know, whoever, whoever else is involved. Um, you know, by all accounts, as we all expected, Leonardo would have preferred Allegri, but the, the decision sort of came from on high that it would be Pochettino. So even there, there's like an element of tension there. So... Absolutely, I think he's the right appointment. Absolutely, I think he can do a good job. Um, the only question is whether he'll be allowed to. Yeah, yeah, that, that question will, will probably hang for, for quite a while. So what do you make of the, the actual dismissal itself? I mean, do you, do you feel like it's justified or have they gone? I mean, it was always going to happen, wasn't it? For the yeah, minute I think that was on. the thing. We've been talking about it for ages. You could see it in the wind, but firing someone on... Christmas Eve is, I think I was, you know, watching the coverage on Twitter with Philippe Boucler and, and, and the rest. I, that just feels a bit unnecessary. It does, doesn't yeah. it? 
Mm. Um, particularly because Christmas Eve is the big day in France. That's when you have the presents and the big meal and everything. So it was like, it felt very pointed or rather that they didn't give a shit about the kind of uh, personal side of things. And I think um, Jez was talking about authority. What we saw in a lot of the kind of roundups of the Tuchel regime is he's a very good tactician, he's a very good manager, but he's not very warm, he's not very empathetic towards the players. So maybe they're hoping that Pochettino, he's a former great of the club, he's going to be a bit more hand around the shoulder. But if you want that, then maybe you don't fire the first guy on Christmas Eve. It just feels like, oh, we want empathy, but we're not going to show any. And so I I agree with Jez that this is very much going to be, Pochettino is maybe not the right choice, but he's a right choice. But will he be able to actually do what he wants to do um, and shape this team in the image he wants? And that, I think, looking back over the past couple of seasons, you've got to say, probably not. So it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. Yeah. You want to come in there, Jess? No, I was just, just going to say that I was, I was reading, um, I think it was on Lecky, a thing about um, Pochettino and his style of play and style of management and that kind of thing. And I thought it was relatively amusing that um, they got a lot of quotes from um, George Kevin and Kudu and Benjamin Stambouli, who weren't exactly successes at Spurs. Yeah. So I don't know to what extent um, they should be listened to as authorities on Pochettino, but I they both were very I'd complimentary. I'd completely forgotten that Stambouli was at Spurs. Yeah. <laughs> so is he. They both said that. Uh, you know, they, I think it was Nkudu who said he's not sure how Pochettino does it, particularly seeing as he's sort of so hard in terms of training and things like that but he does get his players you know willing to sort of run through walls for him mm. and if he can get Neymar to you know show him the, kind of effort, the PSG uh, squad is different from the Spurs squad in that respect is I would guess isn't it, it that, that's an that's an interesting thing to bring up really and, and that's something I want to delve into slightly because there is this sort of thing hanging over PSG that the, 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 the squad they've got is a bit of a weird one. On one hand, they're winners because they're winners domestically all the time. Although see this season will come on to later. Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? But they haven't done it on the biggest stage. And that was always the accusation leveled at Pochettino and maybe putting my biases aside. It's a debatable argument. You know, he didn't win anything, but he did take them on. Is that now kind of the big pressure for both? Because PSG can't afford to go backwards. They've come off the season, whether you sort of see it as a success or not, they got to that Champions League final, albeit with that slightly strange tournament. They've got to kick on now. And Pochettino's got Barcelona in the next round of the Champions League. That's a good place to start as any. But is, is there that sort of fear that on his behalf, maybe, that he's taking on a job where he's liked by the fans? That'll all go very sour if they end up not, unthinkably not winning anything this season and then his his sort of previous comes back it's all very well bringing through youngsters and and taking a team on to, to play attractive football but if they're not winning anything the natives will get restless is that sort of a fair argument for either of you really i think i think it depends he's got he hasn't got a free pass i mean if things go extremely badly then he'll you know he'll he'll be the full guy, but because it's not his squad necessarily, and he hasn't had um, a summer and a full preseason with the squad, and there are all the sort of kind of COVID inherent um, caveats about this season, I think he might be able to get away with a little bit more than obviously Tuchel was ever going to. Um, but. Again, I think it just it depends on Doha's expectations and whether they're realistic or not. Because I know I keep saying it, I'm a broken record. But as far as I'm concerned, this is not a squad that's good enough to win the Champions League. Mm. Um, so, and I do think they got very, very lucky last year. Um, so, 
I, yes, they should be kicking on. Every team should be kicking on, but I don't, I, I think Doha would be insane to think um, kicking on from being finalists means winning the whole thing. Therefore, if you don't win the whole thing, you, you failed. Mm. Um, domestically is a more interesting situation because obviously they, they go into it in third place only a point behind so it doesn't mean too much but um, you know that I don't, I don't know where to play that that yes they should be winning the league every single year but again if they don't depending on you know do they miss out by a point do they miss out by more can he turn around and say it's not it's not my fault, it's because of what I inherited or not. I, do, I don't know if that will wash, but I think things would have to go very, very badly for him to be ditched as soon as this summer. Yeah, I think we're looking at, obviously, the situation in the Champions League where it's Barca up next. I think at this point, most PSG fans have got a bit of a kind of um, shivers about facing Barca in the Champions League. So if that was to go south, that wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing because you're kind of expecting it. But if they don't at least win the league and heaven knows how the Coupe de France is, is going to pan out, then that if they don't win anything, as you say, I think that would be very problematic. I mean, we mentioned him bringing young players in. Um, it was uh, noticeable in the last round before Christmas, which happened on the 23rd, PSG beat Strasbourg 4-0 um, mm. to the next day. Uh, three goals came in the last 10 minutes, but the first goal was from Pembele, mm. the new centre-back who's next to Kim Pembe uh, in this case. So Tuchel had already kind of maybe through accident, design or necessity, started to put people in there. Um, and that was interesting to see. But I think, um, you know, him being fired after a 4-0 win looks bad. But they were playing Strasbourg. Yeah. <laughs> so and thinking back maybe to that game. not quite as black and white as you'd think, but... Yeah, thinking I back think, to that game, they they were they were so dominant as well. But once again, yeah, but, Strasbourg but had was, chances. Um, my notes for that game just say whatever. Mm. It was one you could predict, wasn't it? You you knew it was going to happen. But I think the Champions League coming up. I think it's mid February. Is it the next round? But yeah, everything's all over the Barcelona. Shop, but... I know Barcelona are in a bit of a mess at the moment, mm. but they have been. You know, the the difficult dogs to get over of the past, past couple, of, couple of seasons. So that will be a very big test. I think, obviously, PSG want to get back to the top of the table. But the Champions League games will be the ones that really define uh, how things go. Yeah, that's where the eyes are going to be on Pochettino. I think there'll be some in the English press that will look at him and throughout the world they'll have a look, but I don't think it'll be the Champions League he'll be judged on immediately, I would suspect. Uh, go on, Jess. Well, no, I, I think, um, you know, despite what I said about Champions League in general, I think that um, PSG would start this as strong, strong favourites. I mean, Barcelona are not anything like what they used to be. Mm. Um, there's, you know, they're in crisis, I think, on obviously it's all relative but on and off the pitch um and that last barcelona tie the the sort of famous remontada obviously the you know the the three big stars of of the of that 6-1 were the referee who was a disgrace tiago silva who was a disgrace and neymar who was playing for barcelona at the time so things are very very different i think and um it will be interesting to see where Neymar's head is is at. I thought that. Yeah. I think he still would like to be at Barcelona, but I certainly don't. I think this, if Barcelona were to get through this tie, I actually do think that would be a big shock. Again, not enough to sort of um, jeopardise um, Pochettino's position that early in his tenure, but um, I don't. I don't sort of think it's a 
kind of free passer in either in that I think PSG sh- uh, should be starting that tie as overwhelming favourites. Yeah, Which, and of course we're a month a and a half away as well. The, makes the potential yip factor even worse. Yeah, and you when you've got when you've got so, so uh, roughly a month six weeks before those those games take place, things could be very different. I mean PSG could have won six or seven on the bounce by then. Barcelona might have turned them, themselves around. Anton Griezmann might have remembered he's a footballer for five minutes. Um, you know, and I say that with jest because I love him to bits and I want him to succeed, but I just feel so sorry for him at the moment. But um, yeah, it, it's just, uh, there's so many things can change. The only other thing I, I would also say is, do, do you foresee, um, I'll start with you, Phil, do you foresee any changes in this window for PSG? I mean, where we're going to see Deli Ali and Christian Eriksen rocking up at well, PDP? There's all of these rumours, but, you know me, Chris. I I don't pay attention to the transfer market until a player is holding a shirt. And even then, I am nervous after the whole Sebastian Corsier incident. John so, Mikel as well, back in the day, yeah. Yeah, I don't... He, Corsier signed for Lille twice. As you I do. Mean, that's just unbelievable. So I tend to just ignore this until stuff happens because it's all up in the air. So-and-so are interested in so-and-so. Well, I'm interested in a lot of stuff that isn't going to happen. You know, it's... Yeah. Um, I think, you know, uh, Pochettino might bring in or want to bring in some people, but the key thing is to work with the billion pounds worth of footballers that are already on the books, you know. Yeah. It's... Uh, you've got something there you have to work with that you can't keep chopping and changing so as Joe said it is reassuring to see that he's promoted some of the youth team up to 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 play with the seniors and we're just in a sense going to have to hope that fits and that if there is any movement it is to fit a specific need yeah rather rather than than just oh this guy's famous Mm. Yeah, that, that's that's interesting. That that's what I would put to you as well, Jez. Is this a second chance, maybe, for players that have been out in the cold? I mean, I look look at the like likes of Julian Drax. I know he's had injuries, but does this open the door for him? Uh, Angel Di Maria's contract is up in six months, which seems to be going really quiet. Like nobody's mentioning Drax. Draxler can... seems quite a Pochettino player. I thought that. Yeah, yeah, I thought the same. Uh, whether Draxler is a Draxler type of player anymore, I, I don't know. But... Yeah, fair point. <laughs> Um, but yeah, what, what do you reckon to that, Jez? And people like Mario Icardi, whose form went off a cliff with this injury, he's obviously Argentinian. You'd think that, that uh, Pochettino would look at something from him. Does this open the door for, for certain players to come back in out of the cold as well? I think it does. I mean, I think Pochettino is, seems a kind of, you know, straight down the line kind of guy. He's going to give everyone a, a fair a fair chance if they if they show they're up to it. So it's a good opportunity for some of those players who've sort of been in a funk for whatever reason to to push to get back into the into the first team. Obviously a lot of it also depends on um you know for, formations, that kind of thing. I agree Draxler could be the kind of player to um to to maybe be given a chance and kind of be reborn. But um, I think a lot of it is, in terms of sort of what happens on the pitch, but certainly off it in terms of transfer, I think, well, certainly off the pitch, I think PSG will probably just be 110% focused on trying to get Neymar and Mbappe um, to sign new contracts. Um, And how that goes i think affects what happens on the pitch as well i i i think that there's two things there's the whole sort of you know being part of the team ethic and the sort of pressing from the front and the buying into the pochettino um philosophy that kind of thing i think mbappe can certainly do that neymar i'm not absolutely convinced about but it's also to what extent are they um Pochettino players um, mm. because their their strengths are to a large extent kind of individualistic whereas f- for him 
the team ethic does seem more important. And that is something that PSG have been missing. It's kind of, it's a bit of a sort of contradiction with PSG that on, and certainly under Tuchel, that on the one hand, people kept criticising them, them. So, you know, you're not, most of the time, they're not a team. They're re- relying on um, some kind of moment of individual brilliance. But then that's kind of, the stock in trade of players like Neymar and Mbappe. And as long as they're doing it regularly, it doesn't really matter. That's that's part of football and that's part of what wins matches. So I just, again, I think it's a lot of finding the same, the balance with those sort of contradictory factors that have always been the issue at PSG. And if he can find that solution, which whether it was down to Tuchel or not, and again, with the sort of caveats that because of the quirkiness of the tournament, everything worked in PSG's favour. For one or two matches, they were playing as a team with that individuality as well. And it sort of harmonised well to get them to the Champions League final. And then ironically, I suppose, in the final, probably they they were arguably the better team. And it was the individual moments that kind of let them down. Yeah. Uh, not necessarily a fault, you know, Mbappe clearly wasn't fit. But yeah. Um, yeah, if he can somehow find that balance between the team ethic and, and getting the brilliant individuals to kind of buy into that team ethic and keep their individual brilliance, then he's probably onto a bit of a winner. But it's obviously that's a lot easier said than done. And that's what every manager in football, I suppose, is trying to do. Yeah, it, it's managing the project of PSG, isn't it? Not just the squad. It's it's everything that goes along with it, the, the poison chalice element. And um, I think probably one thing that I, I'm fairly confident we'll see Marquinhos at centre-back and Danilo Pereira in midfield. I'm fairly confident that that will return to normality. Um, but I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. We will have a look at PSG's next game when we preview the, uh, the next upcoming games. Um, but speaking of normality... Uh, Phil, I'm just going to say the words Raymond <laughs> Dominic to you. Um, probably not the best uh, words to use when you talk well, about the word normality because he's anything but, but he is the new manager of Nott. Well, if Valdemekita was attempting to get the ultras back on side, I can't think of a worse move, <laughs> frankly. No. I mean, they were setting fire to shit already. And, and Dominic is... There was, there was a time a while back that I'm pretty sure Louis Nicolas was looking at him for Montpellier and I'm pretty sure a lot of people told him that's a stupid idea, please don't do it, and he didn't. Um, Dominic is, is an interesting character and I'm not sure that an interesting character is what you need when your team is looks 16th and, you know, struggling to put anything together. Can't score, concede a lot, haven't won in God knows how long. Um, Yeah, I'm not sure he'll make it to the end of the season, whether that's because he gets the hump and walks out, Keita chucks him out, or the fans finally set fire to the... Tribunes. I mean, it's that looks like a really bad footballing decision. It's maybe good PR in the no bad press, no press situation, but it's not a good idea. No, I think is is my conclusion there. Yeah, they're not a bad team. Nons have got some decent players. They're just not brilliant. They don't need. They don't need Dominic. They. It pains me to say it, but the whole Big Sam thing that we've been talking about <laughs> in the Premiership. You know, you need someone who's just going to come in, sort stuff out, make everything work. And I'm not saying that Big Sam has actually managed to do that <clears throat> over the past few weeks. But you don't need Dominic. No, I think it's a bad. That's a bad no, move on just several for, for no. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I, I've raised some furrowed eyebrows when I saw it. What, what do you make of it, Jez? Like I say, like for a lot of our, our sort of English listeners, when I say English, I mean sort of people um, in the UK maybe who aren't 
as familiar with Dominic as as we may be. Uh, they might might know a little bit about the the, the France um, time, shall we say politely. But what what do you make of this? What what's the thinking behind it? I mean, what what do you think Nantes were going for in terms of this appointment, and and why is he so? I mean, let's be honest, ridiculed by by people. It's kind of, I mean, to an extent, it's it's relatively difficult to kind of say or to remember because this is the insane statistic. He hasn't managed in club football for 27 years. Long, mm. oh, Jesus, yeah. Um, 28, sorry, it's 2021 now, isn't it? Yeah, just yeah. about. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, um, welcome to the world. Yeah. So, world. and he hasn't he hasn't managed full stop since since leaving France in in sort of ignominy 10 11 years ago um i think that the reason he's a figure of, of ridicule is i mean first of all as a player he was a kind of real butcher of a defender which doesn't necessarily make you a bad manager but it doesn't sort of um buy you any kind of favor as some kind of sort of you know footballing romantic or anything like that as a as a or manager, a tactical genius when you just knocked people over. Yeah, as as a manager, I mean, he did okay with the France under twenty ones, and he helped bring through a lot of players. And it's funny, like for example, Pires has got a very much a sort of game of two halves history with with Dominic because I think as a playing for him under under in the under twenty ones, I think actually he did sort of learn a lot from him and he did respect to him and they had quite a good relationship and then it all went very, very wrong at the end of Perez's France career. Um but yeah basically when he was appointed France manager, I don't think it was particularly seen as, as a bad decision. I don't think there were a lot of people that were up in arms about it. But it just I mean he presided over the obviously the the worst it seems strange to say because, you know, supposedly he led them or under his tenure, they got to a World Cup final and only lost on penalties. Um, but he presided over the, the sort of worst period probably for the for the France team in recent years. Um, and it's not all down to him, but a lot of it is down to to him and his very questionable way of... Um, managing the team and certainly man managing a lot of players um you can point to various things i mean we mentioned sebastian corsia earlier as soon as dominic was appointed the first thing i did this will sound very strange again to people who, who don't know where i'm going with this the first thing i did was um have a look to see which members of of the non-squad are scorpios <laughs> because um it's I think, fact, I don't think it's just one of these sort of, um, you know, urban myths that Pires and Julie, for example, were, were dropped from the France squad as much as anything else because um, Dominic sort of mistrusts Scorpios and I think doesn't want too many Leos in the squad as well. Yeah. Um, there's, Bizarre, there's the fact that... Um, Coupe was his number one goalkeeper for a whole qualifying campaign and then just on the eve of the World Cup he dropped him in favour of a returning Bartes. Mm. Um, there's the fact that he chucked Chimbonda um, into a World Cup squad because, I mean, literally this is, it's not an exact quote, but it's more or less, why the hell not? Yeah. Um, there's the fact that in 2008, you know, only two years after being World Cup finalists, France had a terrible European Championship and then they drew 0-0 to, to Romania. They they lost 2-0 to Italy and 4-1, I think, to the Netherlands. Um, you know, they'd just been knocked out of the group stage and Dominic was asked for his thoughts on it and he proposed <laughs> um, marriage <laughs> instead of commenting on the football at all. And then obviously everything kind of degenerated into Neisner and everything that happened in the in the World Cup in 2010. And again, it's it probably just depends whether you're sort of pro Everest slash pro Anelka or pro Dominic or whatever, or whose side you take. Um, it's certainly, you know, I don't think you can at all put all the blame for this one on Dominic at all. But it was just, you know, the fact that his sort of, mm -hmm. his tenure ended with him being 
forced or being weak enough to have to read out the players' um, pathetic statement of going on strike, the fact that it was him who read it out and he didn't even have the authority to turn to Evro and sort of say, you're the fucking captain, do it yourself, I'm not doing your dirty work kind of thing, just sort of summed up where just how low the France squad and he um, and the two of them together bringing each other down probably had had gone. Um, And yes, since then, he's been, I think, mainly doing kind of punditry. But even then, I think, has been sort of positioning himself as a little bit of a sort of polemicist and, you know, picking fights with various people. As Julien Laurence the other day on... on, um, I think Totally Football Show was was talking about the sort of the irony of him coming back as a a manager of a certain age when he was very very vocal in in the criticism of Ranieri becoming manager um, at a certain age as well. And Dominic is actually older than Ranieri was at the time, so he yeah. sort of created a, a rod for his own back there. So yeah, I mean he. Any credit that he had as an under-21 coach, he gradually lost as a, as a France coach. He barely got any credit for um, France getting to the World Cup final. I think most people think that was basically sort of the likes of Zidane and Turam and Vieira basically taking over management of the, of the team. Yeah. Um, and everything has sort of gone downhill since then. And he hasn't done any managing, like I said, for 10, 11 years and no club management for over over a quarter of a century. So, you know, Phil said that Nant needs someone who can sort them out. Arguably, that's the one thing he could do. I wouldn't particularly want to get on his wrong side. He might no. be. <laughs> sort them out in a very different, different way. Attitude with certain players, but yeah. Certainly not long-term. And by long-term, yeah, I probably mean like six weeks to two months. I can't really see how it works out. If no. anything else, I just can't see how him and Keita could have any kind of... Coexist. Yeah. It, 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 that is just set up to be a toxic environment. It's just a dumpster fire, isn't it? Yeah, exactly that. The minute it goes wrong. if I mean, that, that's the thing. We, we're speculating we don't know, but it... Not, it neither man seems to have the word tact or diplomacy in their kit bag no so if you got two people like that then ah. it, it sparks fires doesn't it it sparks fires and i'm i'm looking at just looking now at, at this this non-squad and something that sort of jumps out to me is yes there are a few sort of older statesmen but there's, there's plenty of sort of 20 to 24-year-olds in that squad as well. Ludovic Blas, Coco, um, Luza, um, Basilio at the back, uh, Castelletto is 25, Moani up front. There's <laughs> a lot of younger that, players. They, they need a stable situation mm, to that's exactly progress. It. Especially with, with the current state of sort of French football financially, that's my other concern is look, any of these players that, that are not deemed to be bought in or indeed as Jess sort of said, you know, slightly tongue in cheek, but perfectly fair enough. You know, if they're, if they're of the wrong horoscope or wear the wrong color boots or something slightly nuts, you could sort of see them being sold on. Um, Kulamoani is probably the, the big one I look at and think, how's he going to adapt? We are speculating, of course, this, this might, this might surprise everybody. It might end up being a, a masterstroke, but I think if I had to put Let's any sort of mortgage on it. check back in four weeks. Exactly. Yeah. Or or just check in after the game against Ren on Wednesday and see where that's gone. It's just a yeah. If the first post-match interview is as possibly we expect, who knows? Yeah. Yeah. That might be must see TV. I would suspect. Even the first picture that not put on their Instagram um, had him sort of watching on in training, and it just had that look of school teacher looking down over his, over the pupils that he does and doesn't like. Um, but I guess we will see. Hey ho! Anyway, that's that's the two sort of major bits of news. Um, in terms of obviously on the pitch, there has been no action. We've been in that that winter break. The the last sort of gate or batch of games, just to refresh your memory, uh, saw Ralph beat Bordeaux three one away, which was a surprising win and quite an entertaining affair. Lens beating Brest two one. Nice and Lorient drawing two two. A much needed point for that was uh, for Lorient. Happy days. From Tuna Dine, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Robson Bamboo's late sending off, gifting Gervich the penalty to equalise. So 
Yeah, big point that for Lorient. Dijon with a, a, a good win as well uh, against Nice. I think it's their first win of the season, wasn't it, if I'm not mistaken? 3-1 away. Second, Second. Second, sorry, you're absolutely right. Yeah, look at the table again. Um, Ren beating Metz. Metz uh, beating. Sorry, say again, Jess? Metz beating. Metz beating Rennes. Sorry, why have I... Hang on. No, no, no. No, Ren, Ren beating Metz. Ren beating Metz. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I was the wrong way around there. See, this is what happens when you have time off. It all goes fuzzy. Uh, Angers beating Marseille. That was the most predictable result of anything that you could ever see coming, honest. My notes there just say, ha. Huh? Yeah, um, we all called it, didn't we, prior to the uh, the, the, the break for Christmas. Uh, Lyon continuing their impressive form. They beat Noel 3-0 at home. Uh, took a come amongst the goals again, as was Cadewire. So good result that for them. Monaco and St Etienne had an entertaining 2-2 draw. Monaco I, in front. I, just one thing on that. St Etienne yeah. have pulled themselves together a bit. Yeah, they have, yeah. But they just now... Before they couldn't win. Now they can't hold on to a lead. No, they they did it against Lille. They so given who they're playing at the week and on Wednesday, which is PSG. If Good they luck. go ahead, just bet on PSG. Yeah, 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 it does have the look of one of those, doesn't it? As you say, they had slightly turned their form around, but. It's still kind of at the wrong end, shall we say. The probably the most entertaining game of, of the, the last batch of games was indeed oh the Montpellier Lille game. Yeah, 3-2 to Lille. Lille led three times, basically, in that game. The Delors goal was something worth looking up if you haven't seen that. But Lille coming out with a late Barak Yilmaz winner. They're not going away in this title race. They are. That, that, that game was, may show real fight. I mean, I hated watching it as a Montpellier player. Montpellier fan because you could sense every time that Montpellier clawed it back that they were going to go ahead again which happened mm. so it was Weyer then Laborde then Iconi penalty then Delors then Yilmaz um, but it does keep things interesting in the table so I suppose I have to allow that but yeah I was chucking stuff at the screen at that point yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was a very entertaining affair. And uh, and as we mentioned during the uh, the PSG discussion, they won 4-0 against Strasbourg. Um, when even Idrissa Gueye scores, you know it's not your night. It has to be said, it was 1-0 to PSG for 80 minutes, basically, or for 70 yeah. minutes. And I guess then, it was uh, the, two late goals. You like to think that it was three goals in the last 10 minutes because Strasbourg were really going for it and trying to get an equaliser, but I do sense that they had just given up and fallen over. Yeah, and they had their chances as well in, in this game, uh, that's the irony. Of they, they did have, I mean, I wouldn't say they were clear-cut glaring misses, but there was a, a couple of good opportunities and uh, they didn't take advantage of them, so uh, unfortunate for them. Um, let's have a, a little look at the table as he scratches around in, uh, in trying to find it. There we go. As we mentioned before the uh, break for the Christmas period, there is definitely a title race of sorts going on here. Leon are currently joint top with Lille, which is uh, probably not something you would expect to say in January. Both on 36 points, both uh, bang in form right now, uh, not having a defeat in the last five for either of them. PSG with that win uh, does get them back to within a point of those top two. So they are in the third. Ren... What I found interesting when I was looking at this earlier is PSG have got the best goal scored number with 39 and the lowest goals conceded with 10. This just goes to show that kicking people 6-0 is not necessarily going to help because their goal difference is plus 29 and Lyon on top are plus 20. And it doesn't help if you lose to yeah. both Marseille and and uh, Lyon in the same season as well. You're one of your, or two of your direct rivals. But uh, but yeah, nevertheless, um, there's, I mean, obviously we, we know, and especially with the Pochettino effect, we know that they're going to be uh, pushing on. It's whether Lyon and Lyon can keep up their relentless form. Ren have, have also turned it around with four straight wins. They're up into fourth, which sort of seems to have happened, seems to have happened sort of quietly. They just seem to be suddenly there, yeah. um, which is... Yeah, yeah. And, and fair, you know, fair play. Uh, Stefan got his critics, and rightly so, but he, he does seem to have got a tune out of them all of a sudden. So fair play to him. Um, Marseille, the, the predictable tumble of Marseille after talking them up as title challengers 
they went and uh, lost two and drew one of the last three. So um, not oh, saying they're out. They still have still got... two games in hand. They do. Yes, it's as we said before Jean Christmas. It's whether they can win them. Lance and Nice. Yes. Um, yeah. And more, you more... gotta be thinking they get four points from that. You, you'd think, but then you remember it's Marseille, and then you scratch yeah, your head again but... and go. Hmm. It's, it's potential. But say they win, as you say, if they take the four points. Uh, from six or even all six, then they're they're either top or or, or in third. So yeah, there's every opportunity for them. Uh, Monaco have Marseille. S- they're, they're um. There's rumor. Well, they're not rumors. I mean, they've said that they're interested in bringing Milik in from from Napoli, which yeah, for them. But it still feels like Villas Boas is kind of ready to implode at any moment. Yeah. Um, I thought it was interesting his comments about the timing of two calls sacking. It getting quite tetchy. Mm, it I mean, was, it has been for a while. Tetchier yeah. than normal. Yeah, you do, you do wonder like one heavy defeat or something, you know, going off and he will be gone. But I guess we'll, uh, I guess we'll see. Um, Monaco have, have righted their sort of wrongs of three straight defeats with a win and a draw in the last two. Obviously that's an Etienne draw was the most recent of the two. That sort of stabilises them back into the top six. But they are level on points with Lens, Montpellier and Angers uh, all the way down to ninth, all on 27, 27 points. Yes, a very Constantina league, as is, as are most of the leagues across Europe, it must be said, in these uh, strange old times. We've got um, Jezza's Mets joint 10th with Brest on 23 points. Uh, nice are uh, sort of on the rise. Their form has been patchy, but they've stabilised a bit. They're 12th on 22 points with Bordeaux, uh, also 22 points in 13th. Uh, St Etienne unbeaten in five now on four, in 14th of 18 yes. points. Uh, Rouse 17, they're unbeaten in their last three as well, so they're on the rise. Uh, Nantes, as we mentioned, we'll see what happens with the Dominic effect there. Um, awful form, but uh, we'll, we'll reserve judgment till we see what they do. They're in 16th. Strasbourg have lost their last two down in 17th. Lorient have also uh, fallen back into 18th place. Uh, that draw... Very, very much needed from two goals behind, as you mentioned with Nice, but uh, they're down on 12 points level with uh, 12 points Dijon, 12 points Nîmes, who fill 19th and 20th place. It's all getting rather tight. One win, really, in, in amongst the bottom, what, seven or eight teams mm. can uh, can see a vast change. But um, So, yeah, so on Wednesday, we see a couple of tight matches, but the one I'm going to be looking out for is strasbourg Nîmes because that could, if Strasbourg win, they could pull themselves a deal out of the situation. If Neem win, they complicate the red zone even more. So I think that will be an interesting game to keep an eye on in the, uh, in the, the multiplex if you have access. Yes, yeah, indeed. That is uh, certainly one to have a, a look out for. We've got uh, Brest, Nice, Lorient, Monaco, Metz, Bordeaux, Nantes, Rennes, Strasbourg, News. We mentioned Lille, Angers. So you think Lille should be able to retain top spot. Similarly, Lyon against Lons, although all of a sudden that's a, a high-end clash. Uh, Marseille, Montpellier should be a, a decent watch. Rams, Dijon. For differing reasons, that one might be worth a look. And of course, Saint Etienne, PSG, um, maybe has. Slightly lost its sort of um, appeal without fans because that's always a rowdy mm. affair. But uh, the, the Jeffrey Guichard, but um, on this occasion, obviously, it won't be. Um, any of those stand out for you, Jez, other than the the one that uh, Phil's mentioned there between between uh, between uh, I can't find the game now between Strasbourg and Nîmes. I think I got there in the end. Any of those games stand out for you there, Jez? Um, well, non-terrain. I'm not saying that I would actually watch it but obviously that's that's quite a big sort of local derby, derby yeah with the whole dominic subplot there so that yeah. one's an interesting one um breast nice i think could be a good match breast play lovely football and and you know arguably one of the players of the season is um Romain Perrault, who's mm. been superb for breast and he was bizarrely let go by nice barely without them um without his being given a chance in the first team. So he'll probably have a point to prove there, as does um, Fevre, who's, who's also having a great season there after being ditched for some reason by Monaco. So um, I think that could be a good match. Brest is sort of always playing good football, but not always getting the results necessarily. But um, I think that they're always worth a watch. 
Mm. Um, subplot derby, derby almost. Yeah, and then yeah, Leon Lance could 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 be a good match. Um, mm. I want to see Lance attack. The best team in the country at the moment, apparently, against Leon. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> I, I, I want to see them attack. That's the that's the one thing I want to see. I don't I don't want to see. Lance can lose five men. I'm sure you do. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's think, the main um, thing I want to see. We've got a situation where the four teams on 23 and 22 points are all playing each other. As Jess says, we've got Brest-Nice, but we've also got Metz-Bordeaux. So that's a kind of mini-league in itself. And because it's all 10 games are happening on Wednesday, so we've got five at uh, 6 o'clock your time and five at 8 o'clock your time, Hopefully, there's going to be two interesting multiplexes there. But yes, I will mostly be watching Marseille, Montpellier, and again, possibly chucking things at my television. Yeah, I'm, I'm torn. I think it might be the old uh, tablet phone TV combo because I like the look of St. Etienne PSG <laughs> for obvious reasons, really. Marseille, Montpellier sort of uh, attracts me, and Laurel Monaco for obvious reasons is another one that is intriguing. Oh, go so, multiplex. Um, yeah. They just yell at you when something interesting happens. It's I, I need to very, get one of those, very efficient. I need to get one of those, uh, whatever they call them, the things where you can watch TV in other countries, one of those jobbies, but... Um, yeah that's the badges yeah that's the badges but uh i can watch all of these on a uh, popular betting site of choice so um i may well do that but we shall see um just one other thing i just wanted to mention i know uh jez you've got some some sort of thoughts on this and from an arsenal perspective i have is the projected um transfer business of nice looking to bring in well, if, if you believe reports, Samuel and Titi might be coming home, which would be lovely. What? Yeah, um, Barcelona are um This is are actively... why I don't listen to transfer. Yes. This is it. Go well, ahead. There, is, Go ahead. there is suggestion that, that Samuel and Titi has been offered to Nice. Um, obviously, we, you know, we said from day one since they lost Dante, that was a, a concern. But the other one that is on the brink of happening uh, is William Saliba returning to France. Um, Arsenal have been very um, sort of... Very key to point out that it's a, a loan deal with no permanent option, etc., and so on. But what do you make of this, this just Because I, I'm kind of torn. I, I don't know how much of this is on Arteta and, and the current regime, and I don't know how much of this is on Raul Sanlehi and, and Edu sort of hyping a player, um, you know, who who was. I don't, I don't know whether he was sold a false dream, if you will. I don't know whether he was given assurances way beyond what was actually going to happen or whether it was the fact that he would have played under Emery. I don't know, but the most important thing for me in all this is it's a hugely talented French centre-half who, who needs minutes at this stage. It would be good to see him playing football at least. I just, I think all you need to do is look at Wesley Fofana, who was, yeah. although he's a year older, was kind of always in a way considered the, the more junior partner of the two when he was, when they were both at Saint-Étienne and, and, Yes, Saliba was kind of held up by injuries last year, but and a family bereavement in the summer, but um, seems fully fit now. From what I've seen, I know he had a recent sending off, but from the little bits I've seen of of under of his performances in the under twenty threes, I think he's he's playing well. Mm. Um, and you know what I think of most of your other centre-backs um, so <laughs> it makes absolutely no sense to me that he's not part of the first team squad or plans and yes he wasn't Arteta's player so you know that 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 does change things it wasn't him who brought him in um, but and I know you know there are lots of elements of, of what Arteta's been doing this year that you could say, well, he is quite stubborn and he clearly does have his favourites and maybe isn't entirely uh, looking reasonably at, at, at performances and only looking at who he likes. I don't know. You, you'll know more, than, more about that than me. But mm. in terms of being sold a dream, it shouldn't be a, about a dream. If you, it's, you know, As I said, for fun, uh, what he's doing at Leicester is showing that if you're good enough, then it should be as simple as that. You should be given your chance. And, and if you take that chance, or if others who are given a chance ahead of you aren't taking those chances, then it's, you know, it's perfectly reasonable to expect to be given an opportunity. And I, 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 I mean, it's, it's interesting as an Arsenal fan that you're kind of saying, is it the fault of the new regime or is it the fault of the old regime? You're not saying that it's the fault of Saliba mm. because... 
I, you know, I am wondering if there's something about him that, that isn't coming out because it's just such a bizarre decision for me to, um, to just not have him close to the first team squad, even, yeah. you know, especially Louis injured and Gabriel suspended and he's still not getting any closer. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, purely for his sake, I'm just, I'm delighted that he's going to hopefully get game time. Frankly, I'm delighted that he's going to be able to live in a nice city for six months rather than London or Saint-Étienne. <laughs> um, maybe that would be good for him as well. But I sort of, you know, I'm desperate for him to succeed at Arsenal, but it's getting to the point where I kind of hope he does better somewhere else because I'm not sure the way he's been treated that you deserve the best of him. Yeah, and I'm I'm very much in the uh, I'm in that very awkward position where I'm sort of trying to balance my love for, for French football and and my love for Arsenal, and I'm I'm I very much fall on that side of if if we're not going to play him, let the guy go because I want to see him, I want to see him progress, and in a weird sort of and this is really strange, in a very um, kind of I don't know how to put it it's very backwards forwards momentum here but I kind of want to see Arsenal with 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 egg on their face a bit here I mean that's weird because it's, it's a team I support but I kind of want to see Saliba go and prove the point like you said Jez I mean we don't know what goes on behind the scenes and the one thing that, that I am led to believe is that he's a very confident um, individual and I wonder if there's a little bit of of um, a Genduzi effect here he was very close to Genduzi I'm not saying he has the same sort of attitude but I wonder if there was a bit of a tarred with the same brush element to him and, and the fact that Nicola Pepe isn't really getting the opportunities under Arteta either. That's what leads me to think, is it a bit of a, well, you're not really my player, whereas a, a Pablo Marie, for example, is. And well, the only thing I'd say about that is that, first of all, Guendouzi's doing really well. Absolutely, uh, yeah. Time. Something that um, Arsenal fans are very keen to to try and... Uh, just say, oh, he's doing all right. No, he's he's doing very, very well at Herza. And he's got a, a baby on the way as well, so congratulations yeah. to him. Um, I would hardly say that the likes of Aubameyang or even Lacazette are sort of shy, modest characters. No, <laughs> definitely not, if you follow they, either of their Instagrams. Everyone said Lewis is a, a great guy, but again, I think, if anything, his overconfidence has Divisive. led to most of the terrible moments of his career. Shaka, mm-hmm. um, I, I mean, I don't know about his confidence, but if you're going around grabbing people by the throat, I'd rather have someone who's confident but behaves than a liability yeah. like that. Um, just not have him, but yeah. How how <laughs> overconfident must he be to not be given chances? Yeah, when you've got other people like that that are being given chances. I, d- I, I don't mind playing in different positions, but you know, you know what I mean. I don't mind him not playing. You know, Rob Holding and, and Gabrielle in particular has, has been exceptional uh, this season. And, and uh, you know, really Holding in particular has proved a lot of people. I don't think he had a future, has proven a lot of people that he has. And, and Gabrielle, we know, has been fantastic. And I, I think it's just that I'd love, I would have loved to have seen Gabrielle at least have a chance. I think that that's, uh, sorry, Saliba, have a chance. I think that's my, my issue. The fact that he's been erzled, if you will. And there was all these reports of him being horrendous in that, behind closed doors game against Villa and you know anybody who's watched some of our other players um, will know that there's also been other players that have been horrendous and have still got chance after chance I'm looking at you Brazilian chap on the left wing there so yeah I I hope he I hope he goes to Nice and I hope he does really well and I guess if he does and um, you know big shoes to fill in in the form of, of Dante but if he does go to Nice and he does play which I would imagine he would have been given assurances that he will uh, hopefully that will either increase his value or, or at least give us some value to sell on um, or indeed maybe we'll prove that actually he's pretty damn good and as you said as I watched Wesley Fofana yesterday for for Leicester and whilst he's you know clearly still a bit raw he, he's you know he's a player that's been given the opportunity by Brendan Rodgers and, and is excelling just by playing has he made mistakes yes but is he getting better with with more playing time absolutely and that's that's the weird one for me, and uh, and quite why we spent twenty eight million pounds on a player who, you know, we had any reservations about. That's the other thing I don't understand. You don't spend that kind of money if you've got any concerns. You leave him on loan, you know, you strike a pre contract deal. This is a guy Real Madrid we're looking at. He's, he's not a bad player, but anyway, also, I'm not questioning his attitude, but say you know, play badly in a behind closed doors match, playing under twenty threes. This is someone who has got 
a season and a half of first-team top-flight football under his belt. I mean, I'm not saying he's sulking or anything like that, but it is an insult to to put him back down to to that level. Especially when you know that Mustafi and Socrates are are surplus to requirements. You know that they're going. You know that they're not going to play. So if that's the case, why, you know, why you not at least, you know, even if you're giving that position on the bench with the traveling party every week, you know, you're given that opportunity in the, in the UEFA uh, Europa League or, or whatnot. That's, yeah, yeah that's, 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 again, that's, I know it's not the same position, but you're giving that Icelandic waste of space of chance and goal. Why not? You leave runner alone, bless him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it's fair that's to say that. that we probably won't see him again. In, in France or anywhere else, um, <laughs> bless him. But yeah, now I, I I think I think the main reason I wanted to bring it up was was just because you know it's it's it, there's a bigger argument at play here in that there are a lot of not only Premier League clubs but specifically Premier League clubs it has to be said who scoop up talented youngsters from France and and uh, mismanage them. I think it's fair to say or, or don't give them the opportunities that they deserve and yeah I'm sure there's a lot of Spanish and German podcasts that will say well they also do it with other players but for me I, you know I just wanted to make the mention of the fact that this is a young French talent who was being compared with the very best like Varane and, and the most sickening thing is that we have to sort of by extension I suppose compliment Brendan Rogers. oh yeah oh, oh and his several rows of teeth um yeah, that, that is the unfortunate thing, but hey-ho. Well, I, I have a, a trivia question for you, in fact. Oh, God. Because, no, after, because last night, uh, the third, um, in the halftime, uh, instead of doing analysis, they had uh, an interview with Olivier Giroud oh. on uh, Canal Plus. He was fun. asked lots of questions about his premiership, uh, career and he was asked who his funniest colleague was and he said Kurt Zuma his middle name is happy for a reason but who do you think he said was his funniest opponent hmm? I'm assuming we're talking uh, Premier League yeah I mean <laughs> so it's got to be somebody Arsenal or Chelsea then his, his funniest opponent Opponent, person he's played against. Thanks, Chris. Yeah. Jess, do you want to even hazard a guess? I've got no idea. At least, at least tell me the club. Give me that much. Spurs. Oh. Oh, okay. Well, that opens... Uh, um, but funniest opponent. Funniest, yeah. Who is that, Jess? He's good mates with Hugo Lloris, isn't he? Yeah, he is. It was indeed Hugo Lloris. I can't I'm imagine not sure Hugo any being. Of us saw coming. No, I, I can't I mean, imagine Hugo, Hugo seems being lovely, that guy. But I'm not seeing him as stand up. You know. Yeah. So that was. I, I but also, yeah. um, he was asked who was the best player he's played with, and again, Premiership. Who do you think? Played with. Yeah. Uh, funniest that he's played with, and again, the best this... he's played oh, with. Best he's played with. He wasn't there with Henri. He wasn't there with Pires. Um Eden Hazard. Nope. Jez. Um, was he Arsenal the same time as Denilson? <laughs> the crab, as we knew <laughs> him affectionately. His answer was Santi Cazorla because he's a genius. That, that's that's a lovely and answer. He he also talked about you know Cazorla's injuries and saying Cazorla saying I just want to be able to play football in my back garden with my kids and that seems to have really affected Olive and so that's who he said Santi yeah. Cazorla because he's a genius. So I just thought that was a nice little. little I thing like that. Throwing. Yeah. I like that. And, and anything good happening to Santi Cazorra is good in my book because he's just a wonderful human being. So mm-hmm. what, a, what a lovely way to end. What a lovely way to end the podcast. I'm very happy with that. Um, we will, of course, be back next uh, next week, um, assuming the world doesn't fall apart, which, you know, we, we literally take day by day, all jokes aside at the moment. But uh, <laughs> yeah, assuming the world is still a thing and then um, we're all still here, then uh, we will be back uh, next Monday to, to go through both midweek and, of course, weekends action. Um, rather than previewing the weekend's action 
there's games. We'll talk about them next week. I think that's the easiest way of, of, uh, yeah. of going for that because, yeah, we'd be here all night. But we will cover as best we can both rounds and, uh, and highlight the particular moments or, uh, or interviews from certain managers that we get as a result of these two game rounds. So we will cover that then. Uh, so, yes, until then, um, welcome back to both of you. Thank you for joining me this evening. Much appreciated. Thank you. Happy New Year, everyone. Yes, indeed. And uh, until next week, uh, enjoy your French football. It's back. Thank God. We haven't got to wait any longer. We can turn off the Premier League. Oh, how joyous. (laughs) We'll speak to you very soon.